are continuing a series on the fruit of the Spirit. We're up to the third one, which is peace. Michael, your prayer time was perfectly in line with where we're going to go today. The Spirit produces abundance of peace. Galatians 5, 13, 14, and 23 through 25 says, You brothers have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty to give an opportunity to the flesh. In other words, don't say, because I have freedom, that means I can do anything I want to do. Even without regard for anyone else or the word of God or the spirit of God, I'm free. I can do anything I want to do. Paul, many times in the book of Romans, addresses that, addresses it here. He says, do not use your liberty to give an opportunity to the flesh. Now, in this chapter, we're going to see a contrast between the flesh and the spirit. There's a tendency, I think most Christians have, to feel like that the main war that goes on spiritually is between us and the devil, And that certainly is a part of life, but I think most of the struggles that we have are because of our fleshly nature more than even the devil. When we let God have control of our lives completely, that will solve a lot of our problems. And it will give us strength to overcome the devil when he comes against us. How many of you know it's real easy to blame the devil? Years ago, you guys will not get this at all. You guys will. But there was a comedian named Flip Wilson. And his catchphrase was, the devil made me do it. And it was kind of like the, 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 the excuse for every bad thing that you do in life. Some things the devil didn't really have a whole lot to do with. It was Bruce. That's the flesh. And Paul says, don't use your liberty to provide for the fleshly desires, but by love serve one another. The word, the, 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 the contraction there, the, the, the word but, the connection there means don't, yet, no, yes. Don't serve the flesh, but yes, serve one another in love. <clears throat> for the entire law is fulfilled in one word, even this, love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> Down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Next week, Pastor Kevin is going to preach for all of our high school graduates on the importance of letting the Spirit produce patience within us. Um, the week after that, we'll talk about kindness. And uh, I think our, that's Mother's Day. Some of the, the pastor's wives and, and ladies in our church are going to be talking, doing a video about what kindness means. And so we're going to be some good things coming up over the next few weeks. He says, these things, against these things, there is no law. Those who are Christ, how many of you belong to Jesus? How many of you belong to Jesus? Okay, here's how you know if that's the truth or not. They have crucified the flesh. There's way too many people going, I'm a follower of Jesus, and they're doing their own thing. They think that somehow that doing their own thing is going to provide more good in their life than following Jesus. It's this adage that, that used to be kicked around in churches like you have to give up so much to be a follower of Jesus. Well, 
Galatians chapter 5 says what you give up. You give up, and it's right before this, what's called the works of the flesh. And it says you give up things like hatred, murder, envy, uh, outbursts of anger, um, all sorts of destructive things. And instead, you get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. You know, this is our third week to look at. I just want to go back and, and hit the last couple of weeks real quick with just one statement. When we talk about love, the world today that we live in promotes hatred, doesn't it? I've never seen such an emphasis that I can remember. And I say that, but the reality, it's always been this way because flesh has always been like this. But what you hear in our world today is a spirit of division, not unity among people. And it's one that distinguishes with prejudice and bias toward those who are not like me. And whatever camp you're in, there's somebody that's in the opposite camp. And the reality is God does not want us to be filled with hatred. The world promotes hatred, but the spirit produces love. And this speaks of our attitude in life. How do we view life? The world creates sorrow, disappointment, discouragement. You you know, no matter what you do in life, there is an end coming for whatever it is you're doing. And in the world, there's this time where everything looks like it's, it's, there's nothing left to be done that's good. But how many of you know in Jesus, we're not filled with sorrow, we're filled with joy. You know, they, they say of palm trees that the older they are, the sweeter the fruit becomes of that tree. A date tree, for example. They say the longer that tree is there, the sweeter its fruit becomes. How many of you know that's God's plan for us? That we would become more filled with joy every day. And when I look at the, the world in which we live, the culture in which we are surrounded by, when the Christian demonstrates godly love and godly joy and godly peace, it will be radically different than what the normal person experiences. We have to remember that we are called to influence culture, not let culture influence us. The world lives in strife, but the Spirit produces peace. And this deals with your mind. Okay, here's some things I've said the last few weeks, so I'm going to go quickly through them. But first of all, you got to understand this. Spiritual conversion begins. Everybody say begins. Doesn't conclude, doesn't. Uh, become the high water mark, but it's the beginning of a journey of spirit-led living. That is what Galatians 5 speaks about. Paul identifies this fruit of the spirit, which by the way, it's one fruit, not nine. It's nine different qualities of the one fruit. What is the fruit then? The fruit is becoming like Jesus. And when you become like Jesus, you will have these nine things in your life. These nine qualities accurately describe who Jesus was. Was there ever a more loving person than Jesus? No. Was there ever a more more joyful person than Jesus? No. Now, often we get jaded because we have this one-sided view of things. And and I'll, I'll tell it to you again today in peace. I said it last week with joy. Those words do not infer that there is a, a lack of, of difficulty in life, 
But what they suggest is that in spite of your difficulty, there is something bigger on the inside that helps you to overcome the problems of the outside. Jesus said, I tell you this, that you may have peace. How many of you like the way that starts out? John chapter 16, verse 33. Check out the next thing he says, though. I'm telling you this, so you'll have peace. In the world, you will have big problems. Well, wait, what? I was expecting in the world you're going to do really well. You'll have everything handed to you on a silver platter. Come on, Lord. I didn't want you to say, I'm telling you this, you'll have peace, that you're going to have problems. What? He goes on to say, but be encouraged, for I have overcome the world. Your problems that would try to strip you of your joy, the problems that you have that would try to rob you of your peace are things that God will use to actually amplify the joy and the peace that you have as a testimony to everyone who sees you that there's something different in your life, that you are filled with the Spirit of God. Spiritual conversion begins a journey. Paul says it's developing the character of Jesus. This fruit is divine, not human. So let me help you out. This isn't a matter of I'm going to try to be more loving. You need to be more loving, but it's not in your trying. It's in your trusting. You need to have more joy, but it's not in trying to create an environment of joy. It's by drawing near to Jesus because in his presence there is fullness of joy. You need to have peace, but it's not going to come because you somehow psych yourself up and you get your mind set in the right place. We're talking about the mind today because that's where peace or anxiety dwells. It's in your mind. So how do we get it? We let God cover us with his presence. And as we get saturated with the Holy Spirit, we become more like him. Spiritual gifts show your ministry. How many of you know that God's given everybody a gift, or in some people, more than one gift? If you know that, say amen. amen. Too often, we're more excited about our ministry, though, than we, are, than we are our maturity. It's not about just having a gift. It's about growing up in God. They're both important. They're both needed, but let us grow up in him. Spiritual gifts are unique. The Bible says to one gets this gift, to another this gift, to another this gift. And, and actually, if you look at all of Scripture, there's about 30 different gifts of the Spirit identified through the Old Testament and New Testament. They're, they're in 1 Corinthians 12. They're in Ephesians chapter 4. They're in Romans chapter 12. They're in other places in Scripture, the gifts that God gives out. And he gives them individually. Not everybody has the same thing. But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit... They are universal. They're not unique to any one person. They're for all of us. And you don't pick the three that you want. Because there's not three, there's one. There's one fruit. The fruit is becoming like Jesus. Now when you do that, here's nine things that's going to look like. Are you getting this? Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the assurance of God's presence. We have peace because our sins are forgiven. Therefore, we have peace with God. We have peace because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. 
We have strength to overcome. The word peace, most accurate, like in our language description, would speak of oneness or wholeness, togetherness, being a completed person. We might use in our vernacular this phrase, they have it all together. They've got it buttoned up, that there's a sense of oneness. In the, the Hebrew word is shalom. We all know that word, right? The word shalom doesn't just mean peace, but it means this wholeness of life that we are proclaiming over you, which produces peace, but it's more than just some feeling of the, of the heart or some thought of the mind. It is a fullness and a completeness that's mentioned with the word shalom. The Greek word is irene. Uh, it looks like Irene, and, and the name Irene probably comes from this word. So if your first name, middle name, or your cousin's name, Janet has had an Aunt Irene, and Irene means peaceful. So if your name is Irene, please live up to your name. A word that we probably think of more that, that, that comes off of this word is the word serene. To be peaceful, to be calm. And it's not just about a lack of, of an absence of conflict, but it's knowing that God is there. Spiritual gifts grow as we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, New Living Translation says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I like the clearness of that phrase right there. Drunkenness results in ruination. Do not be drunk. It will destroy you. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You're going to want to sing. You're going to want to worship God. You're going to want to make music in the Lord, to the Lord in your hearts. Now, some of you I can identify with. When I was younger, I would sing specials and lead music and whatever. And I got to realize after a while, I'm okay, but I'm not great at that. I've got an ear for music. I hear to understand it, but I don't have the best voice or the best leading ability. And so, so I don't do that as much. But I want to tell you something. With the headphones on and in my car, I'm a Grammy winner. I am awesome. I mean, I can sing so well in the shower. I can sing so well in my car. Because you know why? Because it's getting in my heart, and it's getting amplified, and it's being joyful unto the Lord. You know, by the way, we, we look at human ability, and, and we make it so, you know, j just such a, a phenomenal thing. And I love to hear a great singer. I love the worship today. love the music. Man, Mahana is just one of my favorites. She's so good. The, 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 the reality is, though, no matter how good we are, heaven can overwhelm our best effort without even hardly trying. I'm pretty sure they got chords in heaven that, that we can't even hear. I'm pretty sure there are colors there that we've never seen. So what is it that makes our singing so good? It's because we're singing from the position of the redeemed. So it's not a matter of, oh, we're supposed to sing a couple of songs at the start of church. By the way, where else do you go anywhere in life anymore where they sing except church? 
Some people would say, well, maybe we ought to quit. God forbid. Let us keep our song. Because the Bible says when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're going to want to sing. You're going to want to worship. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Supernatural peace is God's desire for every one of his children. It's not for a select few. God wants you to be filled with abundant peace. Three things. God's the source of abundant peace. By the way, I just counted today, and I, I don't know if I got it exactly right, but the reason I give these notes out, this is just kind of a, a side note thought right here for you. The reason I give you notes every Sunday is because there's 30 scripture references in here today, and you wouldn't get that if I didn't put it in print. So I hope you take this and read over the verses throughout this week, and I hope you'll, you'll go back and dig in. Uh, th- there's one, I, I think I've got it in here, that I'll tell you about in just a minute from Isaiah that talks about God's restoration. And you need to go back and read the whole thing because it's a different story when you read the whole thing. I know that. I'm just telling you I know that. I just couldn't put the whole thing in here because I only have two pages, front and back, and I'm done. So I can't put everything in here I want. So sometimes you get a reference. God's the source of abundant peace. Jeremiah 33, 6. Oh, it's, it's right here. This is the one. I said Isaiah, it's Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33, 6. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. The verse right before that says, I'm going to bring judgment and destruction upon them. They're going to go through some hard times. Nevertheless, you get it? I will bring health and healing to them. Talking about the people of Israel. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. Listen, if you're going through a tough time today, it doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. Be strong in the Lord. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your heart and your mind. Psalm 37, 11, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. How many of you know God wants you to have abundant peace? If you know that, say amen. amen. You got to look at him more than your problem. Because whatever you focus your attention on is going to get, get your, your focus and your awareness. And if you're focused on your problem, guess what you're going to see? Your problem. But if you focus on God, guess what happens? Your problem begins to diminish. The old song we used to sing, written about 100 years ago, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It says, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. See, when we look to Jesus, our problems get smaller. When we look at our problems, God gets smaller. Look to him and find peace. Five times in the New Testament, we find the phrase, the God of peace. Romans 15, 16, Philippians 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, Hebrews 13. Five times we we see this phrase, the God of peace. Now, how many of you know that if somebody calls you by the same handle, the same moniker, the same nickname, the same descriptive thought, five times, that there's probably some truth to it, at least in their mind. The word of God declares that God is the God of peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 9, I didn't even put that reference. It's one of my 30 while ago. And has purchased our peace with his shed blood. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. 
And through him, through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The provision has been made. Your responsibility now is to receive it and walk in it. Peace requires restoration and relationship with God. This could be a whole sermon within itself. could be a series. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us because of our faith Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory You'll never have peace in your life until you first have peace with God. Peace with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, in John 14, is getting ready to to die on the cross hours away. And one of the last things he says to his followers in John 14, 27, he says... Peace I leave with you. Notice the description of the peace. My peace I give to you. What kind of peace did Jesus have? He had peace that was so strong he could sleep on a boat when there was a storm outside that scared everybody else to death. That's a pretty high mark. He had peace that when the soldiers came to arrest him, he was calm and composed, even though he knew it would lead to the cross. He had a peace that goes beyond human understanding. And Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace. Now listen, you got to push against your human nature. My human nature falls so short in this category. I get anxious, I worry, I get stressed. I've never bought the t-shirt, but I identify with the shirt or the bumper sticker where it's a a guy and his hair's all kind of wigged out and whatever, and he's got this look on his face like he's about to explode, and he says, I'm all stressed up and no one to choke. (laughs) Let's be honest, we all deal with these things But we don't have to. Provision has been made. And right now, some of you, and it's not the devil, it's your flesh that you're warring with right now. Our human nature says, I have to worry. I mean, my goodness, what's going to happen? You know what worry is? Worry is a lot like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but doesn't get you anywhere. You're just sitting there going, man, you're going. I'm just worrying. I'm worrying so much. Well, how's that working out for you? You're not making any improvement. You're not fixing anything. You're simply allowing your flesh to give opportunity for the devil to torment you. Start praying 
Start professing and confessing who Jesus is. Start believing in his power. Start looking for what he can do. And stop getting fixated on something that you think is unsolvable. We used to sing an old chorus a long time ago. It's kind of like the song, There's Nothing Our God Can't Do. It says, got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? I love this next phrase, God specializes in things thought impossible. There's no limit to what God can do. You got to believe. You got to have faith. You got to keep, and, and, and by the way, this isn't like hitting the easy button at Staples. You guys remember that old commercial? This is not just like, okay, I'll say it one time and then I'm all good. No, you're going to have to fight through the power of the Holy Spirit and you're going to have to overcome and get victory every day. Can I tell you, that's why it's so important that daily you commit your life to the Lord first thing in the morning. Lord, new day. I need you more today than I've ever needed you before. I give you my life today. I ask that you would use me, God. Help me to walk in peace. And as we do that on a daily basis, we have the peace of Jesus that gives us peace in the middle of the storm. Second thing I want you to see is this. Not only is the God a source source of peace, but the flesh wars against peace. Our human nature, the flesh, tends to worry about the future, don't we? Anybody ever catch yourself worrying about the future? My hand's up really high because I do too. Anybody worry about the future ever? How much good did all that worry do for you? Nothing. You know what? You can only live one day at a time. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. Tomorrow has enough concerns of its own. Don't use today's energy for what you think might happen tomorrow or next week or next year that probably isn't going to happen anyway. But our flesh rises up, and we tend to worry. That's why Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, by the way, when he was in jail, not when he was in an ideal circumstance, you know, it's easy to to write a song about victory and joy and celebration when you've just won. But when you're in prison, to be able to write this, This is a supernatural peace that is available for each one of us. Don't worry about anything. Everybody say anything. He didn't say don't worry about small things. Don't worry about most things. He said don't worry about anything. Pray about, everybody say this word, everything. Isn't that just a great complete picture? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. He goes on to to tell us what we need to do. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. See, some people are real good about telling God what you need, but you never thank him. God, I need a new job. I need a new car. I need a new house. Need a new spouse? Need everything new, God. Because so far, you haven't done too well. 
Now, I'm being a little facetious there. But how about when we say, God, I'm, I'm facing a situation that's bothering me right now, and I need you to help me. But I'm glad, God, I can have confidence and know that you will help me because I remember what you did. You, you, know when, when, you know when David went to fight Goliath? You, we all know that story very well. You know this part of the story, but I just want to remind you of it today. Do you know why David had confidence to go fight Goliath? Because he had already killed a bear. He'd already killed a lion. Pretty sure if you've killed a bear and a lion, you're not that scared of a giant. We need to thank God for what he's done. We need to remember his blessings, his faithfulness. Don't let worry consume you. He goes on to say, then, everybody say then, After the first things have happened, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Then, when you've done those four things, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Some of us are real good about complaining. Well, I just don't understand. I don't know why. I just don't understand. Well, everything goes bad for me. I don't know what's wrong. What about if we had the peace of God fill our heart to the point that we would say, I don't understand why I've got peace right now, but isn't it crazy how good God is? Instead of using that I don't understand to complain about your problem, how about saying I don't understand how the goodness of God has been given to me in such abundance, but I'm thankful for it. It says his peace His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That word guard there means to actually appoint a garrison of soldiers to provide protection. God will put peace on guard at your heart and your mind. Our human nature not only is prone to worry, but it also moves quickly to fear. We're commanded in Scripture. One guy counted them. I don't know how accurate it is or not, but he said there's 366 commands about don't be fearful in the Bible. If that is true, I think it's really pretty cool that God gave us one for every day of the year, even when it's leap year. You don't have to skip one because there's only 365. He said, I'm going to give an extra one just to help you guys out. Don't. Be afraid. God is with you. He will carry you. He will help you. He will protect you. He will watch over you. You know, one of the problems we all have is though we say we believe in eternity, we often live in the temporary only, mentally, physically, with our mind, with our thoughts. Let us look beyond that which is temporary. Paul said in in Corinthians That those of us who are spiritual, those who are people of God, we don't look at things that are temporary. We look at things that are eternal. Our human nature not only moves quickly to fear, but our human nature often refuses to resolve conflict. Paul says in Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness with which no one will see the Lord. In this connection with human nature, I think of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. He used the word blessed. Often that word is translated happiness. And I know last week we talked about joy, and some people have to compare happiness and joy in a, a 
conflicting kind of way, but I'll take happiness and joy. I don't just need one or the other. I want them both. Happiness has to do more with my circumstance. Uh, joy has to do more with, with my outlook of life. But Jesus said, happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Occasionally I'll hear these comments with grandkids, with people that knew my brother, my, know my brothers or knew my, my dad or whatever, and they'll say, you remind me of, or you look like, or you act like. Jesus made a comment in John chapter 8 to the Pharisees, and he said, you are like your father, the devil. You look like somebody. Who do you look like? Well, do you know how you look like God? what Jesus said when you're a peacemaker he says when you do that people are going to say you look like your father peace is not just something that we receive it's something we also work to provide in other people's lives and and Ephesians chapter 2 talks about this it says there used to be a wall separating Different groups of people, specifically there talking about Jews and Gentiles, could be used really the principle of any group of people. But he says, but now you have been made one through Jesus Christ. In other spots, Paul says this, in him there is no distinction between races, between gender, between Anything that we would use to categorize and classify people, we are all one in him. Now, that doesn't mean that that we don't appreciate the uniqueness of people, but rather than seeing that as being competitive, we now see it as being complementary. Rather than seeing that as a point of division, now we see it as a point of unity. Thank God that we have a lot of variety in the kingdom of God. But all of our variety knits together to make the body of Christ, which is one. Third thing I want to tell you is this. God will direct us in a path of peace. Psalm 23.3, the NLT says, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Some things we can do to grow in this, this relationship of peace. Number one, trust in the Lord. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Second thing, trust in, trust in the Lord, but secondly, rest in Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let God's word direct you. Psalm 119, 165. That's one of the very few places where you can call a verse 165. There's, it's the only place actually. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Proverbs 3, 17. The ways of wisdom are ways of pleasantness. In all her paths are peace. Number four, fill your mind with right thoughts. And by the way, we read a while ago, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. So I'm continuing on now with verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these 
things. You know why worry and fear come into our life? Because, man, we think about the wrong things all the time. Paul says it clear here. Think about what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Eight things. Think about those things. He goes on to say, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Not might, not possibly, not could, hope so. He will be with you. We live in a day when peace is a rare commodity. There's so much anxiety I don't say this lightly at all. I'm saying this because the church needs to rise up as the example of the power of God that works in a practical way. Pretty sure this is true, although I don't typically go to these kind of statements. I, I, I would venture to say that mental health is probably at an all-time low in our world today. You know what the main culprits are? Anxiety. Worry. And God says, I'll give you peace. And this is the part of this service that's always so crazy hard for me. Because I pray that this is more than you just kind of listen today or glance at the paper. I pray the Holy Spirit did something right here for you that got into your heart that makes you say, I want to be filled with the peace of God. Therefore, I let go. I choose. I let go of anxiety. That's tough. That's tough. We like to hang on to it. Like to worry. I like to, 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 I like to just ruminate over what the future is and, oh, I don't know. I hope it's all going to be okay. I'm not talking about foolishness, but there's a point where we have to trust God. You know what's so funny about this? Is most things that we worry about, we have very little control over. If you got control over it, fix it. If you don't, trust God. What's my health going to be like in five years? I don't know. I got some things I can do to help, but I don't know. There have been healthy people that have had health issues. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know whatever happens, God will never leave me nor forsake me. I know that he has forgiven my sins, and he's prepared a place for me to dwell eternally with him. I'm going to focus on what is pure, what is good, what is lovely, what is righteous. I'm not going to focus on the concerns that I can't control. What's going to happen to the economy? <laughs> Woo. I don't know. But I know I'm going to be faithful with what he's given me. And I'm going to trust him to provide for me. Because I remember in the, in the Old Testament, the Psalms, where David said, I was young, now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. And I believe Jehovah Jireh is my provider, and I'm going to walk in peace and not in fear. I'm going to let God do his work in me. 
And when I think about the right things, the God of peace will be with me. Here's Paul's benediction, word of blessing in Romans chapter 15. By the way, benediction means word of blessing, doesn't mean concluding prayer. It's how we normally say it, but here's the benediction of Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Come on, church. Let's rise up and be the people of God. Let's let the Spirit of God do His work in us. Produce love in me, God. Produce joy in me, God. Produce peace in my life, God. Because that's how people are going to know that we're different. It's not because you bought a 22-pound King James family Bible and you carry it under your arm. You do that, God bless you. Nothing wrong with it. You'll build up some good biceps, probably. But living out the faith so that people see your life and they glorify the Father in heaven. How many of you today will just join me right now and say, I want the fullness of of God's peace in my life. I want the abundant peace that is offered and promised in my life. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet all across the room right now. I'd like for our prayer team to come, if you would, here at the front. As you're standing right now, would you bow your heads for just a moment? Because I want to tell you something. You'll never have peace until you have peace with God. If there's something in your life, a sin that is blocking you, you've never received the peace with God, you don't know that you're saved. By the way, God doesn't want you to live in eternal insecurity, never knowing for sure what's going on. He wants you to know. 1 John chapter 5 says, These things have I written to you that you may know that you're saved. We know we're saved, not because we're good, but because God's good. Our faith is in him. The work of the cross has purchased my salvation. Therefore, I receive it, and I know that I'm saved. Not because I'm good enough. Certainly no arrogance in that statement. I'm bragging on God. He is able to keep me from falling. He is able to present me spotless, blameless. That's who he is. If you're here today and you need to make that commitment and receive that peace in your life, I'm going to invite you to come in just a moment. If you're here today and you're consumed with worry or fear and you want someone just to agree with you and and pray that God will help you begin this journey of letting this, listen to me, what's the key to the fruit of the Spirit working in your life? It's being filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit will be there. Walk in the Spirit. This is not like a good prayer for you, a good luck moment, and hopefully it all works out. This is a commitment of beginning a journey where I'm going to walk in the Spirit of God. I'm going to be filled with the Spirit of God. If you got worry, if you got anxiety, this could be everybody in the building. We may have to go somewhere else to pray. I don't know. We may not all fit up here. 
there's some conflict that you have with another person and you need God to bring peace to that, if you need God's peace in your life as we sing this song, I invite you right now to come to the front and find someone to pray with, whether it's a spiritual need, whether, whether it's a personal need of anxiety and worry and, and fear, whether it's relationally. If you need the peace of God in your life, would you come right now as we begin to sing?